Welcome aboard, space travelers. Please lower your harness and keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Prepare for blast-off. Welcome to your UK Top 10 travel podcast, Discover DLP, your home to everything Disneyland Paris, the past, the present, and the future. I'm your host, Paul, and, and I'm joining Nick. me, and <laughs> Nick. And I yep. just interrupt. Yep, that, well, that's that's our way, isn't it? We always do. So, but I, yep, we're, I think people would be more impressed I left it that long to say anything, to be honest. <laughs> Well, normally you just hide in the background and then appear with about 10 minutes left of an episode. So you kind of got in a bit early. Yeah. (laughs) But, yep, we're back for a second episode. Um, I think at the top of the show, as I mentioned, we want to thank the listeners for for joining us for that first episode um, and putting us in the top 10 of the travel podcasts in the UK. (laughs) Which was a, a massive surprise, I think, to, to both of us. We weren't expecting to, to find that today. We got a, a nice little email telling us that we'd uh, we'd got in the top ten. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we obviously talked before we set this podcast up and what we wanted to do and what we was kind of expecting. And we get very good numbers for Diz After Dark, which is obviously where we started and what we still do. Um, and that's a podcast that's been going for over six years and has quite a loyal audience and quite a big audience and we knew this was going to be a bit more of a niche podcast and so we didn't expect to get anywhere near the same numbers that wasn't our expectation or anything like that and we're not <laughs> we're not no. we're not we're not as popular as that but um at the same time the fact that we've had the reception that we've had and the positive feedback so early and cracked the top 10 uh, travel and places on iTunes is, as you say, just uh, incredible. We were the, we were the top rated Disney podcast in the UK, oh, which <laughs> which is just ridiculous. We were we were one spot above the Disney Dish with Jim Hill, um, a friend of the show. Obviously, we've had him on on plenty of shows across the the After Dark Network. We were above the Dis Unplugged. Wow, uh, which is just. <laughs> Just ridiculous when you compare the the size of of the shows. It's just mind blowing. I don't think I mentioned that to Pete when I see it. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't mention that to Pete. <laughs> we don't upset him. No, but yeah, we're we're just thankful for for the listeners and and the reviews. We've had some really good, well, all five star reviews on on Apple so far, um, which is which is just brilliant and. And makes us excited for for what's to come with the show. Yeah, this is this is very much still the the beginning. Um, yeah, you know we're still kind of finding our feet a bit. And um, as you say, you said at the top of the show as well, it's the past, the present, and the future of the, of Disneyland Paris. Um, and we're going to talk about you know two of those things 
mainly on this episode. Um, this is this is your show. This is this yep. is your hosting. So I'll shut up now. Um, but what did you want to start off with? Well, I, I just wanted to start off with with something that's that's come up with this this expansion that's coming to to Disneyland Paris um, for, for for mainly the Walt Disney Studios at the moment, um, and a couple of, of refurbs that were were part of that um, that announcement. First of all, Ratatouille was was going down for a refurb for a massive refurb um, due to some building issues with some we we're led to believe some subsidence in the building um, oh. and that the ride was starting to drop and wasn't running properly, which was the reason for a lot of breakdowns on it. Um, and that the floor was going to have to be brought back up to where it should be sitting. Um, it's now been kind of chopped to a very short refurb instead. Um, only, I believe a couple of weeks now, rather than it was meant to be, think two or three months yeah um, it was it was it was listed i think it was listed at either two or three months yeah and we and, know and as i say sorry no as as i was saying that it it has been now chopped to to a couple of weeks and in fact we'll be open when we we head over oh, um when it joy. wasn't meant to be it was meant to be closed while we were there well at least it takes people out of the, the other rides in the park mm, that is true because it's still ever so busy. It's still a, a massively busy ride, and people still run to get fast passes first thing in the morning. Yeah, I suppose. So. I mean, it, it's unique. I, I don't know any other park in in Europe that has a similar kind of attraction in, in how it works no. and what it does. So, I think there's that element. I think the problem is is we have been a bit spoiled because um, we've been on the American kind of versions of that attraction um two of them at at the same park or or the same uh resort at universal with spider-man and transformers using very similar technology and i think a a, a lot better um but at the same time um you know as i said it's, it's a unique ride to them so that's probably why it's as popular and people don't always go to disneyland paris um that frequently you know we do and that we know a lot of people that do go fairly often but you do get people that might be um four or five years between trips and so it might still be a, a new attraction but yeah and it is still the newest attraction there it's still the newest ride so yeah in the park yeah um so what do we think do we think maybe they've just discovered that they can just stick a few um like bricks or something to one side of the building to level it up or maybe or maybe they're looking at the fact that they've got other things that are down still mm. with phantom manor being postponed and not opening until the new year um i'm still not sure how long tower of terror will stay open as it is mm. i know it's still not being announced that they're doing anything with it but currently it is covered in scaffolding for its outside refurb um which is another building problem is the reason why they're having to do that. Um, yeah. the building wasn't made properly. <laughs> um, so whether it, it's due to that and they think they can get it to last 
until they can take it down for a longer refurb. I don't know. It might be might be the case, or it might be that they found a quicker solution. Yeah, I mean, it could it could just be something as simple as that uh, it's not as major as they they thought it was. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, we obviously don't know. Um, you know, finding out that kind of information as to the the, the real reasons why is, is almost impossible because that'll be a select few that will know that kind of um, information. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a positive if they you know don't have to close the ride down for that long to get the work done because, like you say, it's you know at, at this moment in time the studios is still very light on the attraction side. Yeah. Um, and they're having a lot of issues, you know, the big, the big summer, uh, attraction, which was the, the Marvel superhero show that's in the Cine Magic theater. Um, you know, it is constantly down or uh, not completing performances or is completing performances, but not with all the effects working. So, You know, it, that should have eased some of that problem. But because that's being problematic as well, they probably can't afford to have its, its you know, either first or second most popular attraction be down for that amount yeah. of time. Yeah, and and that kind of ties into the, the second refurb that seems to have been more or less done away with. And, and that was Rock and Roller Coaster was meant to be going down for its pre-changeover refurb. Um, it were, I would imagine was to do with the ride technology more than anything for the refurb. I can't imagine it was any of the the effects or anything like that. I would imagine it was the actual roller coaster part of it that was was going to go down for a refurb um, before it gets turned into the Avengers coaster for the new Marvel Land. Um, that's now been reduced to, I believe, three days, and wow. and that's it. Um, whereas again, it was meant to be at least a month. So, because I mean, I, I always thought it was a little bit weird that they were going to refurb that attraction before the rest of the land was going to be done. Mm. So he was going to have this Avengers ride. It is still Avengers, isn't it? It's not Iron Man. It is Avengers. No, it's Avengers. Yeah. So they're going to have that as an Avengers attraction. Whilst they were kind of, kind of build the rest of the Marvel area around it, yeah, you know it makes sense in a in a way. If they don't need to put it down for too long, I think they should probably keep it open for the next year or two while they start doing the rest. Um, yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, I don't know what they're going to replace Armageddon with, but that's going. Um, and and that kind of ties in as well. And one of the mm. reasons we it kind of brought up to us Stephen Tyler lead singer of Aerosmith um, made a visit to the park with his daughter Liv who appeared in Armageddon and of course and, the, the, the lead song picture outside. Yeah. and the lead song from that um, yeah. film was, was Aerosmith as well yeah. um, I mean arguably it was that combo which led to Aerosmith being given the gig pardon the pun for Rock and Roller Coaster because yeah. it, it re it reignited their career. They'd kind of yeah. been a little bit on the slippy slope down. They'd had a couple of hits in the nineties, but I mean they weren't the band that they had been in the eighties and seventies. Um and that um the song from Armageddon, I don't want to miss a thing, was absolutely huge. 
and just so happened to be around the time that they had decided not to push further with the Rolling Stones yeah. as being the rock and roller coaster attraction uh, artist. So um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot there, and, and the thing is, like normally with uh, celebrities of that nature coming over, that's not normally a last minute thing. No, they'd have pretty known about that for a while. And certainly with the with it being the two of them as well mm. um it was it must have been a big thing because it it has been done as a press event as well Disney have posted videos and and photos of them while they were in the parks um so it it did seem like it was pretty well known that they were coming. Did you want to talk about the other celebrity that was in the park just before them, or is that something you'll be talking about on your other podcast? No, never, never talk. Which podcast? Which one? Because there's God knows how many. <laughs> I was thinking Strike. Uh who was there? I'm... Oh, did you not see? No, Kobe Smulders. Oh yes, yes, I did see. Uh, I saw a picture of her. Was she meeting? She was meeting one of the characters, Captain America. Yes, yeah, yeah, I did see it. I completely blanked it from my mind. To be honest. <laughs> But yes, yeah, Kobe Smulders, who plays Agent Maria Hill um, in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was was visiting. And in fact, she's she was in Europe due to the fact that she's been announced today that she's in Spider-Man. Oh, I did not know that. Which, yep. mm, that's kind of a spoiler for Avengers 4, no? Well, it could be, but there had been rumours that it was actually set before Okay. okay. So, um, we're not sure at the moment, but both herself and Samuel L. Jackson will be returning. Oh, excellent. So, Samuel's having a, a, a rather busy year with the MCU next year, having obviously been doing his filming for Captain Marvel as well. He's had a good few years off as well, because he's not, you know, yeah. he, he disappeared. He wasn't in the films and... You almost got the impression when he was asked about it, he was a little bit annoyed that he'd yeah. kind of just disappeared. And, you know, he'd, he'd, at, at one point he was in almost all the films and then was suddenly yeah. in none. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's... and I think no, it's possibly because they've been saving him. Because I think, obviously, he's going to play an important role over the, the next couple of years. Well, I mean, you know, he's obviously, as you said, he's in Captain Marvel. And he's a major character in Captain yep. Marvel with both eyes. That's not a spoiler. Set in the nineties. With both eyes, yeah. Um, you know, he's no doubt to believe going to be in uh, Avengers Four, having made a, a cameo yep. in Avengers uh, Infinity War, um, and now he's announced Spider Man as well. So, um, yeah, as you say, all of a sudden his his diary's got very busy. That Mace Windu uh, solo film is going to have to wait. <laughs> yeah, the one of him falling out of a window. <laughs> That's going to be the whole 90 minutes of the film. It could start off like that, a bit like a naked gun film. Yeah. And he go, kind of goes through all these crazy things that he falls through. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought, just because I, I think it was unusual to get two, um, you know, Hollywood sets of celebrities in the parts at the same time. It's unusual to get them there, you know, together. Um, yeah. I think they were there within a, a day or two of each other. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, I mean, 
you do get um, people come over to Disneyland Paris um, that are that are famous, but normally they're months and months apart. Not yeah, for twenty fifth anniversary, they they brought Terry Hatcher out. That is which true. Was completely random. Mm. Yeah, that, but, well, Desperate Housewives, I suppose, was Disney, but even well, so. Well, yeah, I suppose, but how long ago was that? Ten years? Uh, yeah, and change, I imagine. Uh, I don't know when that finished. I, I yeah, it, stopped watching quite think, quickly. <laughs> I think they were still filming when I went to uh, Universal Studios Hollywood for my honeymoon. So that's nine and a half years ago. So Right. So, yeah, it's probably, probably just coming up nine years. Hmm. Since it finished. Okay. But speaking yeah. about stuff that happened in the past. Yeah. So our main subject, as we said, we are going to cover the past, the present and the future. Um, so we're actually going to look back right to the start of Disneyland Paris. And I'm actually going back um, about 100 years um, to start with. That's, that's pretty far back. Yeah. So really the kind of kickoff for for Walt wanting something in Disney in in Europe something Disney in Europe he he'd always hoped he'd have something in Europe and where I'm going to kick it off I'm actually going to kick it off with him during World War 1 um and the kind of reasonings why he wanted something Disney in Europe later on in his life um he he was actually underage he wasn't old enough to enlist for World War 1 um, he tried. He tried a couple of times and didn't make it. Both his brothers that were old enough were enlisted into the army. Um, so in the end, he actually faked his way into it. Um, he changed his passport by a year. He was a year off. So he changed his passport by a year from 1901 to 1900. Um, and he was actually enlisted into the Red Cross Ambulance Corps. Um, and his his shipment, he was actually sent to Paris um, and stayed there. He actually missed the war. The war had finished by the time he made it out there. He, after he was enlisted, he actually caught a really bad case of flu um, and missed the first shipment. Um, so he ended up going out after the war um, and helping clear up afterwards, really, um, helping the injured from, from after the war. Um so that's really where his his love of Europe came from um during his his lifetime as a an entertainment guru and and everything else that he was he actually spent quite a lot of time in Europe as well looking at other theme parks um and spending holidays both in the UK and on mainland Europe so he had a real real love for Europe before he'd even started making films and and throughout his life and and so he really wanted something in Europe and I think that was always the seed that was within the company within Imagineering and 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 the top guys so that 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 kind of takes us to and this is kind of where your expertise comes in Nick because I know you've you've been writing books about Disneyland Paris and guides and and things like that so I think for both of us this is kind of our our area and this is what we want to do with this podcast um so we're going to talk about the reasonings behind Disneyland Paris coming along um and on why it was chosen as Paris and why it wasn't somewhere else um so so starting obviously 
way back in in the late 80s, I think it mainly was. Is that right, Nick? Um, a bit a bit earlier than that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I had my transcripts in front of me now, actually. Or manuscript. What is your manuscripts? When you write a book? Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's not at the publishing stage yet. I've got to work out um, my, my next step. But my book is, my first draft is practically done. Um, but yeah, it was it was more the mid eighty. So around about eighty five is is when it started to really um, kind of finalise down as to where it was going to to be. Um, and one of the things, although it's not it's not talked about too much, um, but there were heavy rumours that England was one of the lead candidates originally. Um, and in fact, quite close to where I, I came from, um, a place called Raynham. It was going to be around Raynham and, and or, or near Dagenham um, was the other room I heard. But Raynham has got a huge um, marshland. Um, yeah. And because of the size of it, that was being earmarked for it. But because of the... Uh, the weather and because of um, certain species of birds that, that habitated that area, um, they decided quite early on not to kind of pursue that one. I think it was going to be more trouble than it was worth. And the weather in England can be quite unpredictable. I mean, we were talking just before recording this episode that we're in, a, I think, day 79 of uh, burning hell. <laughs> Yeah. Um, where the sun just doesn't seem to uh, to go anywhere. Um, I've had today five minutes of rain, and I think that's the most we've had in about a month. Um, yeah. It's been extremely hot and muggy, but um, England is not known for its its warm climates. Um, yeah. So the two the two kind of main areas that were being looked at were at France, mainly around Paris, um, and also Spain. Yeah. Spain had the better climate. Um yep. the location in Spain. I can't remember uh I think it was southern Spain. Yeah, it was it was near where Universal ended up having a theme park near Puerto Ventura. Yeah. I, and just um, to clarify that for anyone that got really excited then when Paul said that, um it wasn't it's not anymore. Well it, it's not anymore, but also it wasn't a proper universal theme park. No, it, it was, was just it took their name. Yeah, it, it didn't have the attractions that you get at uh, Orlando or Hollywood. It was a very strange kind of deal they had there. Um, but yeah, it did it did end up, and it still is uh, a theme park location now in Spain. But that was the one that they were kind of pushing for because of yeah. the climate. But the the reason for Paris was its location kind of being almost central uh, and being easy yeah. for people to get to. Because I think it, around that time as well, it was when they were um, finalising a deal to build the, um, the what become the Channel Tunnel um, yeah. and Eurostar um, yeah. under the sea between England and France. So it was going to have that, had good um, access from Germany, from Holland, from Spain, from Italy, um, from Belgium... So it, it seemed to be more ideal for yeah. in that in that regard for that. But um, yeah. I don't know if I'm stepping on your toes here. But another reason, no, not at all, um, is because uh, as you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, Dis, uh, Walt Disney had um, spoken very highly 
about Paris a lot. And so a lot of the kind of old guard wanted it to be Paris for that reason. They knew that that is where Walt would have probably gone with. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not absolutely convinced because I think Walt might have wanted it to be in in Paris, but at the same time, he would have also wanted it to, to build it in what would have uh, been the best conditions. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I think he, if he was still alive and making those decisions, I think he probably would have done, gone for Spain. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I think because of knowing how much he loved France and, and not that he didn't like Spain, but he didn't talk about it in the same, with the same no. kind of passion. So I think that's what tipped the scales. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know they, they actually looked at another another location in France as well. Yes. Um, further south uh, towards Marseille, um, which again would have had better weather, uh, a better climate for for a theme park. But eventually, I think I think the major turning point, and and this was something that was known during the Eisner era, um, that he liked money, mm. and the French government offered a lot more money than anywhere else was ever going to offer him. And a lot more land as well. I mean, that was yeah. that was the other thing um, because you know Disneyland Paris, despite its name, um, like a lot of these things. If anyone's ever tried to go to London Luton Airport um, yeah. or London South End Airport, is that they call them these things because they're kind of near, but they're not really where they are. So um, you know, its location is about thirty forty minutes from Paris. Yeah. On the tube. Um yeah. it's uh in a place called uh I, I I can never pronounce it correctly, but Marneval. Yeah. Um which at that time was very, very rural. It was complete yeah. countryside. Um yeah. farmers uh, you know, there was farms all over. It was um, a beet farm, I believe. Well, there was, I mean, I think there was, there was multiple. That was a thing. Like the, yeah. the whole area, there, there really wasn't much there. It was kind of like the France you would see in old films about France. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It seemed yeah. almost stuck in the time. Um, but they were willing to, um, I think it was compulsory purchase in the end. I don't think the farmers were very, well, they, they weren't very happy to sell. Um, so I think I, mean, I don't know what the the French equivalent is if it's the same thing, but um, yeah, it, it was basically bought out so um, they could have the land, and it meant that they would be able to build the parks and the hotels, um, yeah. and also as well, Valde Europe. Yeah, it, it's become a a huge, massive place. It still feels very rural when you get outside of the theme parks, kind of that area just around the theme parks is obviously quite built up, but it's kind of still feels like little villages mm. when you get a bit further out. And, and that's, I've learned that I'd never been out into those bits until I did the, the half marathons and kind of seen a bit more of it. And it is still very countryside once you get a couple of miles outside. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I would, I've never seen that um, because I've not, you know, once I've, I've gone to the parks, I've got to the parks. I've spent my time there or throughout the Europe. I've not really ventured around the outskirts of it. So 
um, you know, you've seen things that, that I haven't seen. Yeah, and it's lovely. Mm. I I love being out in those bits. It's especially at that time of the day. It's kind of as the sun's coming up, so it's it's really quite pretty as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that again in six weeks. Jesus. Oh God. <laughs> Which is another thing. This weather isn't doing that any good either. No, I've not been out for. I've not been out for two weeks. I mean, I'm not. I'm not doing the the distances you are. So it, it's no. not quite as important for me. But no, yeah. I did four and a half miles on it last night. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> I, at best, I'm doing two. So yeah. not when I'm going out, and I'm going out late at night for that reason. But anyway, yeah. that's that's going to be you know a future episode where we talk about our yeah. our run trip. Yeah. And there'll probably be stuff from the trip as well. I'm sure we'll record some stuff while we're we're on the move. Yeah, it could we could find ourselves where the monthly podcast f- during that time becomes a bit more frequent than that. It depends on yeah. what, how much we record, but uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see. But um, yeah, so that that deal was done. I think it was. It was close, and again, I've I've got this information just not in front of me. I think the deal was either signed in eighty six or eighty seven. Um, yeah. I want to say eighty seven, but it doesn't sound like much time before. No. I think it was eighty seven though, and and the park was expected to be open in nineteen ninety two. Yeah. And and which is you know they did they they got it yeah. done so. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, of course it wasn't just the parks either they built what. Seven hotels. Uh, now I'm gonna have to quick count. Uh, yep, seven. Uh, oh, six. Six, yeah. Santa Fe, Cheyenne, Sequoia, uh, Newport, New Newport, York, yeah, and Disneyland. Yeah, yeah six, six hotels. So they were all built, and I, I think they were they were all ready by the time the parks opened. All of them. Um, all of them were were um, yeah were open for business when the park opened. So, so that just shows you the sort of work they put in, considering it takes them quite how long to build a land now. Yeah, Star Wars is going to have taken two years, so they they built a whole resort in only a year more than it's taken them to build one land. Yeah, yeah, and with the, the event of three uh, D printers, well, they need quite a big three D printer to build some of the stuff they want to build. But uh, yeah, you would have thought that. They, they that have been kind of advanced themselves now in terms of putting stuff together. But I mean, I think it was at the time like the largest um, construction project in Europe because yeah. you know you you obviously had. I mean, at that time it was just the one park. The plan yeah. was for you know Walt Disney um, or Euro Disney as it was called um, to be open, yeah. and that was going to be the equivalent of Magic Kingdom in Florida or Disneyland Park in in California. Um, And there was always talk of a second gate, which we'll talk about later. Um, But, you know, for 1992, it was going to be the main park opening. So they had to build a whole theme park from scratch and build six hotels, one of which was being built in the park. Yeah, Um, which was the first. Yes. Yes, at that time. And still is. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was it was a massive undertaking, and and I posted a picture today on our Twitter account of of the land before they'd actually built anything. Um, and just just looking at the size of it, it's 
it's amazing to think what's what's there now. Um, it's truly incredible. Um, I was looking at um, I was looking at the parks in a bit more detail. So one of the chapters I was writing about was was kind of paying attention to the detail because yeah. I think it's very easy sometimes. I mean, there were certainly things that I I'd, I'd missed um, on on certain trips. Or, or not seen for for years. Like um, this is going slightly off topic, but um, there's a shop called the Curious Giraffe, yes, or the Giraffe Curious, um, and I never noticed there was a, a massive giraffe looking at you because he's curious <laughs> from from the roof of the building. Um, mainly because I never really went in the shop. Um, yeah. I looked at stuff outside. Didn't really. You know, the, the problem with Disneyland Paris, not so much now, but certainly for a period of time, is that the shops were almost kind of identical. Like you'd go yeah. in one shop and it'd be pretty much the same as what you just see in another shop. Um, so I had no real reason to go into that particular shop. Um, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh my God, how have I never noticed this before? So it was looking at the, the, the smaller details and things you, you may not really have paid yeah. much attention to. And if you look at um, Adventureland, was the one that I was really kind of... Um, thinking about yeah they've got like real caves they're not real caves but they they look like real caves yeah do you know what i mean yeah like, and you can quite easily get lost in them you do yeah i mean they're designed for you to get and they're not very big but because of how they're designed and because of how they kind of lead you around it it seems much bigger than it is um skull rock yeah. um looks like something that's been there for for years the uh, the treehouse the the um, Robinson uh, the family Robinson Swiss, Swiss family Robinson, Robinson. Yeah. Um, that treehouse and all the the foliage there you know looks like it's been there for fifty years yeah it's been there for twenty five yeah and, that, and that's one of the areas that that I really like as well mm. especially around um, Colonel Hathi's pizza outpost mm. I uh, I quite like it around there with all the kind of the lanterns hidden amongst the trees and they're all like brilliantly shaped completely not what you'd expect you just expect just a, a lamp up there and it, that'd be it but when you go and look closely it's got like animals carved into them and and all sorts of things and Adventureland is one of those those lands that is very detailed um that i love i just go around and take photos of them and and things like that and it's it's one of those things and and as well, I was going to say the the arcades mm. on the back of Main Street, um, and the whole of Main Street. I, I was I was comparing it the other day. I was watching a video from from Disneyland, and and the Main Street itself, the shops more or less are exact replicas of Disneyland to Disneyland Paris. Mm. But then obviously you've got different shops inside, and then the arcades behind them. So they've taken another step. Yeah, at Disneyland Paris, adding those arcades, and I can spend hours sitting in those those arcades, looking at posters and and all sorts of things that they've got along there. Yeah, um, and and Disneyland Paris is, I would say, probably one of the the more detailed parks out of all of them. I I'd, uh, I'd argue it's the most detailed. Um, yeah, the, the the little touches in there. Um, and the things you don't notice that's that's why i i kind of did a chapter about that and it you know to be honest it's it's probably covered a lot of the stuff but not 
covered everything because there's just so much and so many things you don't think of. But it's everything. Like if you look up in the arcades, um, uh, like where the lanterns are, you can see little hidden Mickeys, but you wouldn't necessarily notice them or the fact that they're actual oil, proper oil lamps. You know, it's a real flame yeah. in there. It's not, you know, a, a paper uh, effect, you know, paper a bit of paper being blown, being lit by a light, you know. Um, it's all those little things there or, you know, picking up one of the old phones there and you can hear a conversation yeah. between people. Yeah. All these little things, they, you know... They really did did kind of consider one of the yeah. things that I'd forgotten about actually. But when the park first opened, um, you know the shop on Main Street that's a garage. Yes. Um, and it's it's now a clothes shop. Yes. It's probably the most prominent clothes shop on Main Street. Yeah. Um, but when it first opened, it had old fashioned cars in there. I'm talking like turn of the century. Yeah, kind of I remember them being in there even in what. The last seven or eight years, and that oh. shop has slowly changed. Yeah, well, they were, they were at the time it just used to sell um, car memorabilia, but the, the yeah. cars they had in there were actually for sale. Oh. Uh, you know, for quite a, a decent sum because you know these were antique cars. Um, but I think there was there was even three or four, um, and towards the back of the shop. Um, to, to be honest, I didn't realise they were for sale. That was something I found out in the research, but. I remember them being there because the front of it had these cars on display. And as you went towards the back of the shop, there was, you know, things you could buy like toy cars and, um, you know, license plates for you to put on your walls, that kind of stuff, car memorabilia. Um, so it's very different to how it is now. Um, but, you know, again, it was keeping in with that theme. And again, it was something that, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, you can see why it didn't last very long. That's prime real estate, and you're you're, yeah. you're trying to sell free antique cars in there, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's... that was the way that that Disneyland started. Those those shops on Main Street were were all licensed out. They weren't Disney shops. Wow. So at Disneyland, you had you had an underwear shop selling bras and knickers, and and then another one selling cigars, and just completely random things. Yeah, but it it was in keeping with what that was meant to be, and as you say, that car shop was exactly that. And I know we've had some interactions with with one of the lead Imagineers at Paris recently, Eddie Soto. Um, we had a couple of mentions to him with things, and mm. and he was one of the ones that brought that up. That 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 shop is completely as far removed from what they they wanted in that shop as it could be now. Mm. Well, times have changed, and you know, the thing is, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, it, it's a theme park, and you know, one of the the things that it does very well is is to shift Disney merchandise and, and stuff that you can only buy at the park. So, you know, it is prime real estate. They they need to make sure that, um, you know, they are getting the best bang for their buck, and they're making as much money as possible, and trying to sell some antique cars is not going to to do that. Um, I know people love seeing them obviously going up and down Main Street and, and mm. they don't as often now. We've got the, the Omnimover um, and, and that's about it really now. Mm. Um, occasionally there is, they do sometimes bring out like, a, it's a little car that, that's advertising selling flowers. 
and and that's out to to pose with and things sometimes it's not always out i've seen it a couple of times but they also they take it take it away sometimes as well so they still have got a little bit of that influence there um but obviously not as much as they originally intended yeah um yeah and i i think really that covers kind of the the process of of how they got it to be in paris where it could have been and and things like that and i'm sure we'll dip into it again later on we're we're going to look at certain areas what what was there what had been planned to be there and and things like that but i think that kind of covers the the planning stages of of disneyland paris and and our thoughts on it and uh, and that's kind of where we're we're going to go i think is is looking at this kind of stuff as we we both obviously quite enjoy talking about the history of the park i think it's it's quite close to us um well, what was done before <laughs> Well, literally, literally quite close. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a swim, but it's, um, <laughs> it's closer than anything else. Uh, well, I still remember like the going over there in 1992, and this was before the the Euro Tunnel uh, had been built, or the Channel Tunnel, and Eurostar was open. And um, I remember getting over there on a ferry, the worst ferry ride of my life. I've never been so boat sick in my life. Um, and then having to take trains from um, from Calais yeah. um, all the way, and it, it took almost all day. Like we left England at nine o'clock in the morning, and by the time we checked in at the uh, the Cheyenne, it was it was dusk. It was like eight nine o'clock at night. It's a long old day travelling. It's not anywhere near what it's it's like now. And I mean, that was three years before they opened up Eurostar. Thing it launched yeah. in '95, so you know it's amazing even that time that that changed. Um, but one other thing I, I wanted to talk about, like before the the opening of the park, was have you ever heard about the Disneyland Paris Visitor Center? I've only heard a little bit about it. I know we spoke to, to Curious Axel about it mm. um, when he oh, was yes. just a little bit, but I didn't know a huge amount about it. Yeah. Um, it, oh, as I said then, I remember it being such a big thing that it was opening, and there was stuff on telly, and and it kind of makes sense that there was something actually on property that people could go and look at. Yes. Well, that was a weird thing because I, I didn't know. I mean, up until a few years ago, it, the building was still there. Um, you kind of mm. used to get a bus past it if you was staying at. Um, you know, the, the Cheyenne or the Santa Fe, you'd probably go past it on the bus. Um, and you would go past it on a bus if you was coming in from Valde Europe as well. Um, the bus, the bus there kind of went past. I think, I think it's all been knocked down now because it had turned into a, a ruin, really. It wasn't planned to be a permanent building anyway. It was, it was designed to be something they knocked up to get you ready for the park. But the fact that it was on the land is, is still quite impressive. Um, yeah, exactly. But I mean, even even that was fascinating. So, like the the years leading up to it, I think it opened in ninety, um, might have been late ninety. Um, but you know, they they built this this building as a way of kind of encouraging people to part with their hard earned money to visit the park when it opened up in the future. And you saw like scale models of the park. You saw 
uh, films of, you know, what they were going to do and, um, you know, concept artwork and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you ended up in a, in a gift shop. So Disney have, have never <laughs> stopped. What a surprise there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Disney have never stopped um, with, uh, with making sure that you wanted to buy something on the way out. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, stuff like that is fascinating. And you mentioned there about the, the TV shows. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on Diz After Dark before, about the, yeah. the, 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 the shows. And I really enjoyed writing about it in yeah. the book actually, because that to me was the, the moment in time when I was transfixed. I knew that Euro Disney was being built. There was a lot of hype about it for a long time. Um, yeah. I remember seeing an advert for Renault in a Sunday paper. It must have been The Observer, because it's what my dad used to read. And it was advertising the car of the future. And it was this promotion thing that they'd done between uh, between uh, Renault and um, and Euro Disney at the time. They were going to sponsor an attraction. I didn't know this at the time, but that's what it was. And so as part of this, because it was going to be uh, an attraction in the future, they wanted Renault to design a car that they thought was going to be, you know, what people would be driving in like 50 years' time or, you know, that kind of time frame. And it was this flying weird almost like a flying saucer-like car. Um, Do you know what? I remember it. Now you said that, I remember it. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, isn't it? And it, it used to be, yeah. they used to have a model of it outside the attraction. So when I actually got to, yeah. to Disneyland Paris uh, the first time, it was outside the attraction. And it was also seen in the ride as well. Um, nothing like a bit of corporate synergy. But... Um, you know, so the, the hype leading up to it was was immense, but um, for those that, because I mean, the thing is, although we we might have talked about it on other podcasts, not everyone would have listened to them. So, it, I think it's yeah. okay to cover old ground. Um, yeah. There was a two-hour TV special that was broadcast around the world. Um, it was on the eleventh uh, of April. 1992 the park opened officially on the 12th of april so this was done the night before it opened and it was a two-hour they say it was a spectacular i suppose in a way it was it certainly felt like it was to me um and every country had different presenters which i didn't know this was something i only found out a few years ago so in america it was the hollywood it couple at the time of Don Johnson and um, Meg, no, not Meg Ryan. What was her name? Oh God, who was he married to? Her name is just completely escaping I've I've seen Don Johnson on the West End. That's the really worrying thing. Uh, yeah, yeah I saw what? him in uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh. <laughs> By the way, I don't know what's happened with your audio. But you sound like you're on a on a walkie-talkie now. I don't know if something's Do changed. I? Yeah, I've not moved. Very strange. Yeah, you're, it's a bit muffled. Um, oh, Melanie Griffiths. That was it. Melanie Griffiths. Um, so they were a couple at the time. They're not together now, but they hosted the American coverage. And in the UK, we had uh, Pat Sharp and Matthew Kelly. Not really quite as famous as as them, to be honest. Um, but they were, stars in your eyes. Well, that's it exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So they were they were doing that, 
like they were kind of anchoring the show, but all, like so they're doing the links separately. So the rest of the show itself was exactly the same, but the links were done in country to kind of make it a bit different. And they took you through, you know, what the part was going to look like and um, some of the attractions, and they brought in like some quite famous celebrities for the opening night party. So like Cher was there and uh, Gloria Estefan, which at the time were both big deals. And they're obviously still involved with Disney as well. Um, for Gloria Estefan with owning Bongos. Bongos down in the, which is still in the uh, the wasteland of um, Disney Springs. Yeah, the, the west side of Disney Springs that's, that's fast becoming a no man's land. Honestly, seriously, like when me and Craig went there last year, I was shocked to see it was still open. Because where they knocked down Disney Quest, or they were knocking it down, and where they were closing down Cirque, that whole, uh, if you're facing the rest of Disney Springs, like the the left-hand side where you've got the House of Blues and Bongos, I think they were the only places left. And on the right-hand side, it was a collection of stuff that was still just about open or was, you know, being refurbished. It was just a mess. Um, but yes, it so she's still might be a bit better by the time we we get out there next year. It can't be any worse. It definitely can't no. be any worse. Um, but yes, so, so they they were uh, they weren't really affiliated with Disney at the time, but they are now. Um, but yeah, so you had all these things, and um, they showed you um, said so the rides and the cast and the characters, and it just looked so amazing. And I thought I was interested, in it, but. Watching this this spectacular, I was like, I need to go to this place. Um, I didn't know I was going, so it was still a surprise for me. But you know, that that did its job. It was a two hour advert that was that was broadcast literally across, you know, every continent. Um, massive, massive deal at the time. I don't think it's ever been done since. Um, such was the kind of big buzz around it. Um, but one of the things during that special, which um, always kind of stood out was they talked about Disney MGM Europe. Yeah. And they showed you footage of it and you can still, sh- so um, I'm not sure if you can still find the American one on YouTube, but I've definitely seen the UK one on YouTube recently and I've seen the American one on there before. So you might be able to find both, but if you, you know, search for like the, the Euro Disney kind of like launch show, or the opening uh, celebration, um, you can see all this stuff. And um, you can see what the original plans were like. They showed you some some of the concepts of, of what was going to be there. And, you know, one of the things they showed was like a, an Indiana Jones attraction. Now, it looked similar to the stunt show that yep. you get in the studios, which makes sense. I don't know if that's what it was going to be, but that was definitely shown. There was a Little Mermaid attraction that was was shown as well, so they thought that was going to be a part of it. Yeah, um, that was that what ended up being built at Walt Disney World and California Adventure. Yeah, like twelve years later as well, if yeah, not longer. And it's exactly actually. the same ride. Yeah, yeah. They they actually took the plans that they had for Paris and put it in the other parks instead. There's actually as well some. Um, I don't think during that show they talked about Space Mountain. Funnily enough even though that had kind of been earmarked right from the early days of, of Euro Disney, that that was going to be built in the future. Um, but there is, you can still see maps 
Um, in fact, one of them, here's something I didn't put in the book, which I sh- um, I'll go back and add. Um, in Main Street, if you go into uh, City Hall or Town Hall, um, behind the reception desk is a massive map yeah. of the park. And I don't know how, I've not looked at it for a while, so I can't remember how close you can get to it, but you can actually see on there in Fantasyland, um, Abuse and the Beast, yeah. which is where they, they were going to put an attraction there based on Abuse and the Beast. That was going to be built in Fantasyland. That never happened. Um, and also um, some more stuff around Indiana Jones as yeah. well. Um, and where Space Mountain eventually became, the, the design for that was different because it was going to be Discovery Mountain yeah. um, at that point. And what I didn't realise until recently as well is that Space Mountain only became Space Mountain a few months before it opened. The signs around it were Discovery Mountain signs. Yeah. I know you can still see a lot of the the DM logo around in lots of the stuff, but the actual marquee banner as you go into the entrance that says, now says Space Mountain, Hyperspace Mountain. Yeah. um, was actually built with Discovery Mountain, and it said that, and it was only um, you know quite quite near its debut. They changed the Space Mountain. You yeah, know. that was that was uh, one of Tony's massive massive things that he wanted. He wanted that area to be different to everything else. Um, I think we'll talk more about Discovery Mountain in another episode, just because. Yeah. It is it's, a huge, huge thing. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, actually. The whole, yeah. the whole kind of concept. But yeah, yeah, so if you go to Town Hall, you can you can see this map, and there's a few things on there that never come to fruition. But that TV special did show you some of these things, um, so it was quite interesting. I mean, obviously, no one opens a theme park and thinks it's going to flop, right? We know no. that's not the case. No one thought that was going to happen. It wasn't going to be an immediate success. Um, but, but you know, the world was watching and yeah. the world had an expectation and, yeah, other stuff kind of got in the way, which, again, we'll, we'll cover on, on future episodes because yeah. um, so much history in such a short space of time, 25 yeah. years... Um, and yet, a lot's happened in that in that first twenty five uh, years. Even in just the last five or six years, mm. a, a lot has happened, and there's a lot to talk about. And and sadly for Disney, Disneyland Paris wasn't the only flop at the, the same time because then California Adventure did exactly the same thing. Yeah, felt miserably within within a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Disneyland Paris was kind of the the beginning of the the downfall for, for Disney theme parks at that point. I suppose um, the good thing is at least um, Disneyland Paris never got Superstar Limo. So there is... No, it didn't. There is that <laughs> consolation prize. No, uh, no, I suppose. <laughs> but we got Armageddon instead. Mm, yeah. Oh, God. What what one would I have least wanted? That's, that's a tough question. We won't talk any more about Superstar Limo on this podcast. It's not the right forum. But um, check out a YouTube video of Superstar Limo. It's... Yeah. Quite something, that attraction. Yeah. Quite something, indeed. Um, yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to cover on this episode? Or uh, don't think so. I think that kind of covers those those first few years of 
if Disneyland Paris or Euro Disney at that point and, and the resort as a whole. And I think I think we're going to kind of get a bit further on and we're going to look at individual rides and individual lands, hotels and and things like that and, and look at their history as well over the next few months, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, or years. You know, years, We're like yeah. on podcasts. Um, yeah. We don't know when to stop. But, um, you know, as we said at the beginning, we've had some really good feedback. Uh, thank you very much for, for reviewing us on iTunes. It's really appreciated. Um, but as we said in the first episode, we'd love this to be interactive. And so if there is a hotel or if there is an attraction or, or a land that you want to, you want us to kind of focus on, we will get to it eventually. Yeah. But if there's something that you want to hear, we're quite happy to, to kind of like leap over because when you know this is not supposed to be chronological um no. you know we'll probably flit about between you know like today we're talking about the opening we'll probably talk you know we could be talking about Walt Disney Studios on the next episode we you know yeah or I could talk about the 25th anniversary just we're going to take it as and when we kind of go oh let's talk about that this time yeah. Uh, if someone someone wants us to talk about something specifically, if we know it's gonna it's gonna interact with the listeners, then we're more than happy to to bring that to the fore. Yeah. So, and I'll get it right this time. Um, so you can find us on Twitter at uh, Discover DLP Pod, and yep. you can also email us at discoverdlppod at gmail dot com. Um, yep. So you can and- reach out to us there. Yeah, and don't forget to join the the After Dark Podcast Network group on Facebook. Um, that's where all of our shows kind of interact with each other. Um, new ones come in. More Lando's out there now. Um, is, it, is it on it Apple? Be, it's not on Apple yet. Oh, okay. It's still being reviewed. It's it's now at this point. It's now fourteen hours since I gave it to him again. <laughs> um, well, that's so, more positive, to be honest, because yeah. Apple normally take a long time to do it. So at the time yeah. of this being recorded, it's not on iTunes. It's not on but iTunes, it but it will might be, be. <laughs> hopefully, by then. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't have a Facebook page for this podcast, but the After Dark, the official After Dark Network group um, is normally where we, we post bits and pieces about this. So find us over there, or as, as we said, interact with us on Twitter, that's the easiest place to get us or email because it's directly to us then rather than just in the group. Um, but yes, yeah, so if there's something you want us to focus on, then then let us know. Um, and as well, as we said, we're, we're at Disneyland Paris in about six weeks. Hmm. Um, if there's something you want us to go and look at, we're going to try and film some stuff as well while we're out there to put on the the disaster YouTube channel. I'm sure we'll get some stuff. So if there's something specifically that you want us to go and look at, obviously we we're taking time out. We're going to go, go and do these runs and that's taking time out of our day, but we have got time during the day. If there's something you want us to go and take photos of or film or we'll I'm sure we'll be able to find time for that as well. Yeah. I'm sure we will find time. Not like we've got loads of stuff to, we want to do anyway. Um, but no, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's good. And we're going to try and do a little bit of a meetup as well. Yeah. Um, how we're going to cram all this into three days. God only knows, but we'll manage no. it. Um, and hopefully some restaurant reviews as well. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, we haven't even talked about that. We could even get into Marvel dining. Yeah. 
possibility. I think yeah. you can only book it up a few days beforehand, but you know, there's a there's a chance. Yeah. Um, although probably the rest of the world will want to be doing that as well while we're there, so we'll yeah. see. But yeah, if not, um, Paul can eat all the the good food, and I can eat whatever's available for vegetarians. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. an interesting experience for me. It's my first time yeah. going as a veggie. Yeah, well, that's a that's another thing. Mm. Um, we can we can talk about that on on later shows. Ooh, I know I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, maybe we can. We'll either talk about it on the next one or when we're out there. But yeah, uh, yeah I know I know what you're talking about. Even the listeners don't. I do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so uh, you know, I, I don't know what else to say except thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much, and hopefully you've enjoyed this this second episode as much as you enjoyed the first, and and stick with us, and and remember to click that subscribe button so you get our our episodes every time we we post one. We're gonna try and be quite regular with it. Yeah, we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna do at least one a month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my wife, my wife, and um, when I said to tonight that we were recording, she went, we "Just recorded one the other week." I went, "Yeah, but that was July's episode." Yeah, this is now. August now. Yeah, <laughs> just because there's not been that much time between them, but no. we're going to stick to trying to have at least one a month. As I said, when we yep. do run Disney, um, if we've got more, I imagine if we if it's anything like when me and Craig went out there, there'll be too much content. So, you know, September, October, there might be some bonus episodes. So, um, yep. if you subscribe, you're definitely going to get them, yep. um, and it costs you nothing. So, so please yep. do that. That'd be great. Right. And hopefully, I'm. We're both going to be getting annual passes when we we get out there in September. Uh, I'm hoping to get out there for at least one of the seasons before the end of the year. Um, it's looking likely that it'll probably be the Christmas season mm-hmm. when I get out there. I I want to do that again. I haven't done that for a while. Um, in fact, I haven't done that six six years now since I've been out there for Christmas. Um, I haven't I haven't told the wife yet that I'm buying an annual pass. She's going <laughs> to find out about it on his podcast. <laughs> oh, now I've actually listened to it. Well, she's going to find out eventually. Yeah. Um, when you I, go, oh, look, I've got discounts. <laughs> well, I was, I, I, I'm trying to think when I last did Christmas. I think I've not done Christmas since... Yeah, it's got to be about eight or nine years myself, actually. Yeah. I think it might have been... Yeah. yeah, about 2009, I think. It might have been the last time I did Christmas. We went out. Lisa was pregnant with Sam, so yeah, it's six. It'll be six years mm. since we did Christmas. We went back for Halloween the first time we took Sam, um, so I kind of felt like it's time for Christmas. I really want to do Halloween this year. It, yeah. looks, it looks really good. They've just started announcing stuff for that, um, yep. but yeah, I can't see it happening. But uh, no. yeah, so but that'd be cool. Yep, cool if you do. So thank you again for listening. We'll be back at some point next month. We're not sure when, as as we said, there might be a couple of episodes next month. But thank you, everybody, and we'll be back soon. See ya.
This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.